Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Presented by Citizen. New sponsor, that's right. Thanks to uh, Citizen for hooking us up. Got our boy Brad Bakken sitting in for Rajah Bell today. What's up, man? All right. I did, I was not aware that you were president of the Paula Abdul fan club. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know. Like I, just, I see you around the office all the time. I didn't peg you as you could, a Paula you, Abdul guy. Listen, you could draw a lot of conclusions if you got into my into my Pandora. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah you, hey, there's no shame in going old school like 80s. It just, I, yeah, 80s, I, I rock 80s, 80s pop. Like you know, one time I pulled up to a stop sign. I was living in Arizona. And I didn't realize I was, first of all, I was driving my wife's Jetta <laughs> and, uh, I didn't realize my window was down and, and the car next to me was looking in at me. I was like, why are they looking at me? And I, it took me a minute to realize that Madonna Cherish was, <laughs> <laughs> was bumping nice as I was rolling in my wife's Jetta. So I mean, you know, yeah, no hey, conclusions, but I, I got a, no shame, right? You shouldn't, I got you no should shame. just let it go. Cause I, I'm a, I have a very eclectic, uh, taste in music. Like I listen to everything and there's an eighties, you know, pop in there no every question. once in a while. Well, eighties rock know? is still the best music that there is. Oh yeah. So, you talking just, about like the Def Leppard and like yeah, that's the, the yeah. hair bands. Yeah. No question. Yeah. For no sure. question. All right. We got Brad in here cause he's going to help us with all the NBA news of the trade deadline. Uh, is at 3 p.m. today. We're expecting a lot of action. We might get that. National Signing Day was yesterday. I'm going to react to that a little bit later in the show. And Hannah and I are going to have some fun debating the uh, – or actually trying to say, can you name some of the Celebrity All-Star game? Because that, that's like my bucket list oh. to play in the Celebrity All-Star game. You got a shot at that? No, I have zero chance to get in there. <laughs> Maybe before, like I used to have a chance, but now no chance. No chance of getting know. in there. I think it would be fun, though. I think it would be pretty good. What you need is like a, a good, a good scandal, like nothing too, nothing <laughs> yeah, too bad. That's right. But just don't a, get fired. Just, just enough to get into yeah, the game. Yeah, I could probably, I could maybe pull that off. All right. So the NBA uh, trade deadline is at three. There's been a lot of speculation over the last several days, and some players are getting fed up with it. They can't take yes, the sir. rumors. They don't like the conversation. One of those guys is Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. Have a listen to him after last night's game. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come in here every day, ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Y'all let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you, grow up. Come on, bro. I come in here and go to work every day. I don't cause no problems. I play the right way. Well, I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? Stop crying, Kate. <laughs> like, grow up. He's the one who needs to grow up and get some thick skin. This yeah. is one of the softest superstars in sports. Yeah. He People get in his head so much, and he goes out there, and he tries to play the villain. He's like, I don't care what you guys think. And he has his shoes made up with all the criticism of him. This he's soft mentally. I cannot yeah. believe a guy that is this talented is this insecure when it comes to media. Hadn't spoken to them in a week. Didn't want to talk to him. And then you find out why they start saying, "Why aren't you talking to the media?" And then he comes out there and just blasts them. I think it's a bad look for Kevin Durant. Yeah, look, I go both ways on this. Um, your point is well taken. 
this is the game, the machine, like the NBA, these guys wouldn't be made, any professional athlete would not be making the money that they are. The leagues would not be what they are without the attention. And with attention comes speculation and everything that comes with that. I mean, it's just one big conversation. And he has to understand that. He can't just say, I just want to play basketball. If he wanted to do that, he could go down to the YMCA and, you know, shoot in the gym. This is part of the whole deal. Um, where I have a problem with it is, is I don't think that just because you're a part of this whole machine and just because, uh, you're making all this money that you need to be and attacked is a strong word, but throughout this whole Kevin Durant saga, this picture has been painted of him, these words that you just used, that he's that he's insecure, he needs to grow thicker skin, and most of this stuff is painted by what we see him say. No, I I doubt you've ever sat down and talked to Kevin Durant. No. I haven't. I, I'm like every other media guy. I, t- I ask him questions in the locker room. You, you've been an athlete. You know that for the most part, when you're up on the podium or you're in a scrum, you're giving the answer that's going to get you out of there quickest. Absolutely. You know, so like, and then we, but we'll take whatever you say because all we need is a platform to then say what we think. And we just need to start it with, well, Kevin Durant said this. Now let me tell you what I think about all this. And so when we start saying guys are insecure or, he resents Steph Curry. He doesn't like being number two because five years ago he gave a quote in Sports Illustrated that said, I don't like being number two, which not the first athlete ever to use a perceived slight as motivation. And we have turned that into he somehow resents his current teammate in Steph Curry. He resents LeBron James on a league wide scale. He's, you know, that he's resentful. He's in, and all these things that. But do you honestly think we just make those up? No, I just think we've taken them. I think if you if you put anybody under that kind of a spotlight, I bet you people who knew you 10 years ago, it's like this one time Danny seemed insecure about this one thing. you know. But if that got hammered every day, suddenly you'd be like this insecure guy. And I don't think that's an accurate picture. So I just – look, Kevin Durant can handle this better. He, he definitely does not like do well with how this machine works. He could definitely show some thicker skin. And I'm not saying he's not to some degree an insecure guy. I just think that when we start giving opinions on people personally, like if you want to say, hey, Kevin Durant's shooting too much, right. you can argue with me about that. It, Which but, no one has. No one's attacked his basketball skills. Right. Well, that last year in the playoffs, like that he was taking, he was changing the Warriors. They've turned into an isolation team. And that's all a conversation that you can have one opinion, I can have another, and they're valid. But like, if you're going to give an opinion that a guy is like insecure, to me, I want it to be based off more than what he said on a podium. Uh, and that's where I have a problem right. with it. How about the fact when he was Oklahoma City, he got, he was, Furious that they had a, a, a headline in their newspaper that yeah. said uh, "not clutch" or whatever. Yeah. I forget what the word was that yeah. they used on the headline that he was ticked off about that. How about that Draymond gets suspended for a game because they had this verbal bash? Like yeah. that happens all the time. Like you know, it, the guys in locker rooms get upset, and it got so bad that the Warriors had to step in and, and suspend Draymond Green. Yeah, like those things are real. I do think where there's smoke, there's fire, and I agree with you. Like it's not cool to throw shade, but I don't think it's just poop puff out of thin air i think guys are pretty connected i think they do have sources that they probably can't tell i think you know reporters have relationships with certain players and not with others clearly kevin durant's not talking to any of them because he doesn't trust the media and i'm okay with that but i just feel like he's only making this worse on himself he he is and like i said he's not handling it well (laughs) right you know i think that's really the thing here players every player hates this hates the media so he's not handling it well um what I'll say is, is that when Kevin Durant starts doing this, we, we have to understand that he is a guy who walked into this position and I think we all expect something of him because he sort of like signed up for this. And I think we sort of take away this idea that guys are human beings. They're not always going to say the right thing. 
uh, and it's it's just not always going to come off right. And I, ta- I, I talked to Travis Schlenk about this. There, there is some truth to this. The, the GM of the Hawks, I was asking him, we were talking about contract length because Kevin Durant keeps signing these one-year deals, and so there's there's no commitment. And that's really just a financial decision, but we turn it into more uh, that he's not loyal, that all these things, and he's really just making a contract decision. Um, but I asked Travis Schlenk about this. I said, how can, how can a GM build a team when a guy will only commit to one year at a time? Uh, and he said, it doesn't matter even if they commit for five years. Like Anthony Davis committed to the right. Pelicans five years, his mind. five years ago. But even before he changed his mind, by the second year, every day he was getting questions of, Dude, do you want to lead? Like, are the Pelicans good enough? When are you going to ask out? So even when guys are signed up long term, we're still in the media always concerned about the future. It's always about the future. And you can understand if somebody walked into your job every day and was constantly asking you about next year and you legitimately just like, dude, I'm doing my job right now, you know? And all this other back channel agent stuff that's going on, which is definitely happening. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence personally that the Knicks cleared cap space, but to go out and say like, well, to imply that KD's already going to New York, he's already got two feet out of the Warriors locker room, and then you build off that, and he's got two feet out because he got in a fight with Draymond, and because he's resentful of Steph, and and all these things pile, and now we've got this huge perception of KD that like he's obviously sort of flawed with the media, he doesn't handle it well, and I think for me personally, I think I'm just using this as a platform to sort of express my frustration with this part of my job. Right. That to some degree, our job is to be the little twerp. In junior high, who wants to get somebody to say something about somebody else or wants to draw a conclusion about this guy didn't sit next to this guy at lunchtime. What do you think? They beefing? Like, does he like his girl? Like, and then all this stuff has to start. And to some degree, from that lens, we do create some of this stuff. And there's no question that that's part of the job. And I hate that part. And I think this story is sort of my, like, launching point to say, I don't like that part of the. This job. is the example. Of I what hate you're it because about. Monday morning, we're supposed, like CBS Sports. We get all these mandates. We're going to talk about the sports. What's and then the first thing Kevin Durant says. I, I'm up on set this morning and I'm looking at every TV station on the on the monitors around me and Sports Illustrated and Get Up and every one of them and everyone saw Kevin Durant had a press conference last night. So you and, know why and we're going to make something out of that. But you know why? And this is why I've, I've told Raja this a bunch of times. I think the NBA currently, as it's set up is more entertaining it is. what happens off the court than the actual product no on question. the court because everybody knows the Warriors are going to win. The regular season is kind of a wash because it's just positioning, and you know it's a done deal. No question. So you're looking for stuff that you can talk about, and there is a lot of but, drama. What, but what, my thing is we should admit that in the same breath that we admit that Kevin Durant could handle it better. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Kevin Durant's doing this all right. Right. But what I'm saying is we have there we are we have a part in this. All this stuff he's saying about how this stuff gets created is not without merit. Right. We're looking for anything that he can say or anyone else, the way he looks at someone, the way that he for instance, I was at a heat game uh, a couple of months maybe about a month ago. And Jalen Brown has been having some trouble with with getting used to a bench roll, and they've had some of their own drama in Boston. So I'm sitting up in in the media seats, and uh, I see Marcus Smart get in the middle of Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris. And I said, I swear Marcus Morris just pushed Jalen Brown. And I thought, I'm seeing things. No way. Right. Right. Like it was in a timeout. And lo and behold, after the game, it it actually actually really happened. Um, But that thing like died out, right? Like – and the truth is you've been in locker rooms like all the time. guys getting beat like you know words get hot maybe somebody gives a little shove like and then our part in that is throwing gas on that because we need some and like but that wasn't the warriors so that took like a week away like right. Kevin Durant shoves 
Draymond Green and like we're going to be like that kid in junior high who's got news. And now Twitter, check it out. Guys, Twitter, you're never going to guess. Social media adds flame to that because it's easy and it trends and people. No, no so question. Really, it's all a product of the to time. Your point, like LeBron the other night sitting by himself. You know how many guys probably come out of a game and they're just hot and they want to be alone and they sit at the end of the bench and there's three spaces. The three guys them. next to him are go, we're checking into the game, I think. Right. At the end of the bench. Right. They had got, just got up. And he like, always sits at the end. He's got like a medical chair. Now, to, to the other side of the point, we're talking about how Kevin Durant can handle this. LeBron knows. He's not stupid. He knows there's a camera on him. He knows all these trade discussions are happening and whether the team is split and whether he's responsible for the trade he could slide three seats down and avoid that right so totally he again there's a there's a part that they could play to do it better but there's a part we could play and we're never going to play it because no. the fact of the matter is we need 24 hours of Absolutely. content and so we're going to look for and, and that's the part of Kevin Durant that I sympathize with so Ethan Strauss who he called out Kevin Durant called really out really good his, writer look at this dude coming through yeah, yeah. I worked with him uh, before he's a good dude he knows he's pretty well connected his quote, some of the quotes that, that bothered Kevin Durant was this. Some teammates, this is from Ethan Strauss, some teammates believe that his biggest successes are indivisible from what currently ails. Or moreover, the reception of such successes. Sources say that Durant believed his besting of LeBron in the 2017 finals would get him hailed as the game's top player, a mantle he's craved for some time. I don't think that's that big of a deal. Like, I would have believed that. Kevin Durant has made it clear, as you mentioned before, he doesn't like being number two. But if you wanted to be number one, then don't go join a super team. That's fair. Which I think is why, but I, all of this, I, but who's the, so, like I said, and I'm not taking a shot at Ethan Strauss. I don't know, but like, you know, like every, but he's a source today. Like maybe he right. knew a friend. Right, like, right. Listen, I want, like if I would have said like when I was in college, like, you know, playing baseball or something, I'd be like, and I told some guy like when we were out having a beer or something, like, dude, I'm better than this guy. You know, like, right. I should be playing over, you know, I should be getting more at bats and you know, whatever, like, and then, but then there was like media, that's not like a, an accurate portrait of like how I interact with my teammates or how I feel about myself. Like Kevin Durant, yeah, yeah I mean, if, if you ask me a question, it's like all these players in the NBA that get asked, are you the, every single one of them. I was at Pelicans camp earlier in the preseason and Anthony Davis, I'm the best player in the world. That's what I believe. Right. You know? And you ask James Harden, I'm the best player in the world. That's what I believe. Like none of them want <laughs> right, to say, to that's the out. exact same thing as saying, I don't like being number two is saying you are number one. It's, a, it's the same thing. It's semantics. And every player says that when they're asked about it. And, and, and so I think that again, to, to take that kernel of that quote that he gave. And now five years later, we're still using it to paint an entire portrait of the person that Kevin Durant is. That's I'll never like that part of the job on everything. It's fair. I'll never think it's accurate. And even if you have a source, like I'm sure, like I said, you could go in any locker room with any player and somebody that played with the guy five years ago is going to tell you something that, you know, what are, what's, right. what you are the Lakers going to tell you about D'Angelo Russell with the right. Nick Young thing that went down? Like, is that <laughs> right. going to define him forever? Right. Can't trust this cat. You, you can know? find stuff out there on any, but I really hope that Kevin Durant ends up in New York. So do I. I think for him. basketball reasons. No, I want to see him no. in New York. God, Danny, like those Danny. back pages. Oh. I also would love to see the Knicks become relevant. So you love the drama. I do. I do. Because again, it's like there's, I don't love breaking out. So you, li- so, so you listen matter. to Paul Abdul too. <laughs> oh, of course. All right. So the deadline is at three. The, one of the biggest stories has been when Anthony Davis comes out and says, I don't want to be a Pelican. So this Lakers, you know, Pelicans back and forth Mm -hmm. has been fascinating to watch unfold because, you know, it was reported, hey, the Lakers would be interested. And then all of a sudden, all this information, like each trade that's coming out, each offer that the Lakers are doing is they're upping and upping their offer. 
it's like you're getting a play by play from Woj yeah. and Shams. Like the guy, the insiders in the business are giving a play by play. And I talked about it yesterday with Tommy Tran. Like, who is leaking all this stuff? Like, why would you let this stuff out there? Well, the agent then, started it. Rich, Rich, Rich Paul and, you know, the whole clutch sports and, and Anthony Davis. For this all started when Anthony Davis moved to the clutch agency. And right. I think people would be shocked. If they got behind the curtain of the NBA to see how much of it is orchestrated by, by the agencies right. and you know the power players behind the scenes. So I told so that's obviously why the speculation that was Anthony Davis was going to go with LeBron to the Lakers because of their rep by the mm-hmm. same agent. Well the Pelicans, and this is from Brian Windhorse is saying yeah. the Pelicans yeah. were looking at this saying, Well, man, screw you guys. Right. We're gonna let everybody know right. that what these trade offers are. And the bottom line, the thing I took away was the Pelicans have no no chance that they're going to trade him to the Lakers, yeah. but this is all just a revenge tactic for the tampering. Well, what Windhorse also said, and this is another thing we do in the media, is we take <laughs> one thing that somebody said, like the other day when Kobe said that Harden can't win a championship playing like this, he also said he's doing what's necessary right now. Right. So we, we forget that part of it and made it like he was bashing Harden's style of play. <laughs> right. right. So what Windhorse also said uh, was that – wait, hold on. I just got off on Harden. Oh, what Windhorse also said is that when he says that the Pelicans are doing this for revenge, that that might be part of it. But in the end, you have to make the right decision for the basketball team. And is this, at the end of the day, they don't believe the Lakers have the assets. So they wouldn't be like trying to pull off this like revenge tour if, say, the Lakers had drafted Jason Tatum instead right. of Alonzo Ball. And Jason Tatum and Brandon Ingram was now the package. The Pelicans would then not be worried about revenge. They'd be making that deal. So again... That's a lot of fodder to talk about. Oh, the Pelicans are in the revenge game. And that, you know, maybe that is a part of it. But at the end of the day, if the Lakers had better assets, the Pelicans would make this deal. Is there any chance the Lakers can acquire anything or do anything to get this deal done with the Pelicans no, without well, Anthony Davis? You just or do you said think it. it's slim? I do think it's slim. And, and I've thought it was slim from the start because the Lakers don't have the best package. Mm-hmm. Like that's what this comes down to for me. Uh, and, and, and look, the Lakers are doing exactly what you said. They've added one piece at a time, and we've been getting the play-by-play. But the reason they're doing that is because they were willing to offer the whole bowl of punch the whole time. But if they give it all up at the first, that's all they have. So they want to make it seem like they're kind of giving into the Pelicans slowly, and the Pelicans are getting their way. It's this whole, like, you know, lawyer strategy. And so they start out with a couple of young guys. Okay, we'll give you a third young guy. All right, we'll throw in a draft pick. All right, we'll give you Josh Hart, too. They were prepared to give that to him from the start. Right. Uh, and at the end of the day, the Pelicans don't feel that's the best package. I will say I think that the Lakers package is now starting to get overly discredited. We've gone so far in saying that this is like some bogus package. Like, these guys still have a lot of potential. I talk to people in the league who still think that Brandon Ingram could be a guy that could be on par with Jason Tatum. Right. Like, there's a lot of people that still believe in these ads. A lot of people believe Lonzo Ball would flourish if he got his own team and didn't have to play off the ball. He's having to play, and Kyle Kuzma can score the heck out of the ball. There are some people that tell you Josh Hart's the best of those four guys. Two first-round picks. I mean, it's not some bum package. Right. It's not a bum package. What the Pelicans believe is that that same package will be there this summer. Right. So why and they're not? probably right, right? Well, this is where it gets really interesting. Now, this is the real reporting because if the Celtics go away, it's the chicken of the egg thing with Kyrie and Anthony Davis. The Celtics think, or Kyrie Davis, what, you know, Freudian right. slip. <laughs> yeah. The, the Celtics think that the key to re-signing Kyrie, who has now walked back his commitment that he made earlier in the year and said, I don't owe anybody bleep. They think that the, the, the only way to ensure he stays is to bring in Anthony Davis. But, 
Anthony Davis, and I think this is legitimate, doesn't want to commit to the Celtics until he knows Kyrie is there. So it's like the chicken of the egg. Right. Is Kyrie going to say, I'll stay because Anthony's coming, or is Anthony going to go and trust that Kyrie will then resign? And if because of that uncertainty, the Celtics now don't feel comfortable trading all those young players for Anthony Davis only to watch Kyrie walk, and then Anthony Davis doesn't resign in 2020, and they've lost everything that they've spent all this time building since they heisted the Nets in 2013 in one fell swoop. Right. And if they get scared about that, and they suddenly don't offer the best package, now the, the leverage swings to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And now they might say, now you're on the clock. Now Davis is in his walk year. Now everyone knows you got to get him out. I'm not giving you the, you know, and that's a real possibility. So it's like the old bird in the hand, you know, I think that if it gets done, that'll be why. Because at the end of the day, or by 3 o'clock today, the Pelicans will will draw a determination that we just can't risk that Celtics deal falling apart. And there is enough reason to believe that it could. So a lot of speculation. Everybody's going to be refreshing their timeline, seeing if any news drops before 3 o'clock or what goes down. I want to ask you about something that hasn't gone down, and that's the uh, Tobias Harris trade to the Sixers. Yeah. Does that change the power landscape in the East significantly? Yes. yes. The number like they're the favorite now. Would you put them that high? Or? No. But before, I don't think that you could you could realistically talk about them with the Raptors and the Celtics when they're on their game, and maybe even the Bucks. And I say that because they're they are, and will always be to some degree fatally flawed playing through Ben Simmons. Because when you can't like you can't shoot. I mean, we're gonna harp on this. But when you can't shoot, we saw the Celtics did it to him last year in the playoffs. You can scheme those guys out of the game. And at the end of the day, the Sixers just didn't have enough options in the half court. Now, Jimmy Butler was supposed to be the cure for that. He comes in, but but those guys have an on-the-ball power struggle. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler wants the ball. Ben Simmons wants the ball. And what Tobias Harris brings that they didn't have before is that he's a natural secondary playmaker. So he's a guy that doesn't need the ball to thrive. He's like a 43% three-point shooter. He's a guy that can create off side pick and rolls once the first action has happened. He doesn't have to initiate it. So now they can play through the full 24 seconds of the clock and keep getting good shots. Where before, when their first action would break down, a defender would leave Ben Simmons, and now somebody's having to go one-on-one against a roaming safety, more or less, because they don't have to guard Simmons. So Harris addresses a lot of that. Uh, and just from a pure talent standpoint, I talked to a scout about this when Jimmy Butler, the trade was made for Jimmy Butler. And this is a true story. I was talking to a scout and we were talking about Butler and how he fit, and he said, just randomly, you know who would fit really well with the Sixers is a guy like Tobias Harris. Really? And I presume at this time he had no idea. Right. I don't think anybody had any idea up until this deal happened. Uh, and he's right because of, again, secondary play major, playmaker naturally uh, and a floor spacer. J.J. Redick is the only legitimate floor spacer that they have. It just works. Defensively, he's switchable, six foot seven, six foot eight. Uh, he can guard multiple positions. And then they have a depth issue. But because of that lineup versatility they have, they can play him on the ball, off the ball, three. He can even be a stretch four. Uh, now Brett Brown can maybe reduce his rotation by one because now he can always have three of those four guys in the game. And so the depth, when rotations shrink in the playoffs anyway, the depth doesn't become quite as concerning. And so for all those reasons, I do think that now the Sixers are legitimately in play to make the finals. I think before it was kind of a pipe dream. I won't say they're the favorite, but I think they're they're legitimately in there now. Definitely makes things a lot more interesting in the East. All right. The East playoffs are going to be remarkable. Yeah, be insane. Because, you know, in the NBA, like, you always feel like you know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. No one has any idea who's coming out of the East. Right. Real quick, Memphis said they were going to be sellers. They've been shopping Marcus All and Mike Conley. Any 
think anything goes down? I do. I do. I do. I, I mean, they've been pretty aggressive. Since. I would be very surprised if both those guys don't go. The, the grit and grind era has, has got to be done. They, they're too much money tied up. You can't start a rebuild with that kind of money. And there, and there are teams that those guys can help because they're still really good players. I mean, personally, I think Mike Conley on Utah would make a ton of sense. Donovan Mitchell off the ball. Uh, but he said he doesn't want to go there. And I think the Grizzlies have enough respect for what those guys have brought to that city and that organization that I don't think they would go completely against the wishes of one of them if they outright say, I don't want to go to a certain place. And so for that reason, I, I still think that the Toronto deal that has been proposed, uh, I think it was Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. and Jonas Valanciunas for Gasol and Conley. If Gasol and Conley can go together and keep and bring the chemistry that they already have, uh, and they would be a really, really good fit uh, in Toronto. Conley's better than Lowry, if, if only marginally. Uh, but importantly, he's a better shooter, you know, for the spacing. But Nick Nurse up there in Toronto, he used to go to Lithuania, uh, and work with, when he was an assistant with the Raptors. He used to go to Lithuania in the offseason and work with Jonas Valanciunas, mm-hmm. and he was basically trying to turn him into Marcus All. He would work on him with high post stuff. He would work on him with court vision, passing as a big, all these things that Marcus All has like been the best at for years. And that offense and what Nick Nurse runs would be, he would become a hub, an Al Horford type. Marcus saw at the high post, Mike Conley stretching the floor a little bit better than, than Kyle Lowry and leadership. The one thing that I think that the Raptors are devoid of is like real leadership. And some guys go, we're going to go in and we're going to like, we know how to, to do this. And I think if you add those guys from a fit standpoint, uh, then I think that bumps them up ahead again of the Sixers. Right. So that's a deal that, you know, from a power standpoint that I, uh, I would like to see happen. I think there is still a good chance it could happen. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Ambitions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. So the NFL has news coming out of Philadelphia as Nick Foles, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, their hero, former Super Bowl MVP, brought them the Super Bowl trophy uh, two years ago. This season had them, their offense, performing at a higher level than Carson Wentz once Carson Wentz got injured. So you've had this quarterback quandary of sorts for the Philadelphia Eagles. Clearly, Carson Wentz is their future. He was the first-round draft pick. He's the guy they've been building around, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And meanwhile, Nick Foles has gone out and balled on the field when he's been out there. So the big thing is, all right, well, what are the Eagles going to do? And more importantly, what was Nick Foles going to do? Because he did have some control with his contract, the way it was set up, that he had an option for $20 million, which Foles could buy back for $2 million to get out of that option. So Nick Foles, basically betting on himself, Pays back the $2 million signing bonus. So now the Eagles have a decision to make. I think this is the, I think you've seen the last of Nick Foles as a Philadelphia Eagle. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But what I do think is interesting is that the Eagles have to be careful with this because they want to tag him, which would make his salary $27.5 million. And then they want to tag and trade him for a third round pick. Here's the thing that's interesting. I don't know how many teams are going to line up for Nick Foles at $27.5 million and having to give him a third-round pick. So can you do the trade? Can you work out a longer-term deal? Can you have him for a couple years? And Nick Foles is in this weird spot in his career where I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to plan to build around him 
for even five years. I just don't think that's something that team sees viable. He's 30 years old. I think you're looking at a two or three year deal, probably similar to what Case Keenum got with the Broncos last year. And I know it's going to bother Debo and some Eagles fans, but I do think Case Keenum and Nick Foles are very, very similar. If you put them in good systems, if you put them with good players around you, then you can win. But if you don't, as we've seen with both of them, if you put them with average teams, you're going to get average results. And that's the dilemma that I think teams are going to be in when they start sniffing around Nick Foles. What will you get? Ultimately, I don't think he's going to break the bank. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to, you know, 50 or $60 million guaranteed. I think it's going to be very similar to what Case Keenum got. And that's probably the smart thing to do. I do think the Eagles, they obviously weren't going to keep him at 20 million as a backup. But ultimately, even if they would negotiate something longer term as a backup, I think the noise and the obvious, which was that the offense looked better with Nick Foles, it was getting to be too much. And if Carson Wentz is your future, you don't want people, and I'm not talking about media, I'm talking about players in that locker room, you don't want them second-guessing your starting quarterback, your future, your franchise, and that's Carson Wentz. You don't want guys all of a sudden to be starting to talk, hey, Man, did you, you remember how we used to move the ball with Nick Foles? This is different. Like what happened to our offense? And if you got off to any start of a slow start with the Eagles, that's what would happen. It would start with the media, but it would creep in the locker room. Danny, remember a few weeks ago when that story came out with, from the yes. Philly voice? Well, recently Carson Wentz met up with a bunch of members of the media to talk about that article. And I like him less. After that came out, because when he was talking about, like, I went on a witch hunt to try and find, you know, who was talking bad about me. You know, a lot of it was true. My personality's not going to change. Maybe Nick Foles just is the better fit for that team. And, and you know, Coca, if you would have told me that after last year's Super Bowl, when he was MVP, so Nick Foles was Super Bowl MVP, I would have said you're crazy. I would have said get out of here. You haven't seen enough of Nick Foles. But now that we've seen two sample sizes, and granted, they're pretty small sample sizes. Now that we've seen two sample sizes with Nick Foles executing the offense better, getting more out of Alshon Jeffery, getting more out of other players on that system, it does look like he's the better option, which is another reason why the Eagles can't have Nick Foles there as this shadow looming over Carson Wentz. And I thought it was very interesting. We got to be careful what we listen to Debo is because he's, he's a Philly guy through and through, and he's always going to defend his guy, Carson Wentz. You, there was some truth in that article, which was pretty alarming, and Carson Wentz admitted as such. And I kind of am with you. I think Carson Wentz has to be very careful and might even need to do some rehab uh, uh, in, on his image and in his leadership and within that locker room. Because if he is going on a witch hunt, if he is out there gutting mad at guys, guys talk to the media, kind of have to deal with it. I think he would have better off just ignoring it, saying the article was a bunch of garbage. I'm moving on as a leader and kind of put it to bed. But by him admitting some of this stuff, I thought it was a rough look for Carson Wentz. So I kind of agree with you if there. If Nick Foles is on the move, yeah. where would you likely – see him going i know like the dolphins are are a good place you know uh, maybe good the place? the redskins maybe the redskins with with alex smith being out what's jacksonville gonna do are they gonna draft somebody because i think jacksonville would be a good fit you know you talk about having a system in place that works for him like the dolphins are a mess right now i think if you're nick Foles, you want to go somewhere where you can picture yourself winning and taking a team to a super bowl at his point in his career with what he's been through and had success I think Jacksonville's a team, if you go back and you erase this year and say, well, that was with Blake Bortles and they've got some issues, but that defense looks really good. I could go plug in there. I think Jacksonville's a place that makes a lot of sense. Miami doesn't have a lot of talent on that roster, and they're probably going to draft a quarterback and move on from Tannehill. And that's the thing. So might Jacksonville. 
For for Nick Foles, ultimately, I think he's probably going to have to come to reality that he's just going to be a stopgap, kind of a rent-a-starter that's going to come in. So if you're going to be that, why not go somewhere that's closer to winning? Washington could be an option there. Now, you're hearing this reports out of Philly that they don't want him to go to the Giants. They don't want him to stay in the division. So I'm assuming that's the Redskins, too. But ultimately, like you want to do what's best for you. So I would say like a team like Jacksonville might be the better option for Nick Foles. But it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how it watches out how it plays out. And I can't wait to see Nick Foles if he can have success again in another system and see if he can raise his level of play because he's one of the most polarizing quarterbacks of you've seen him play awesome and not just this stint, but when he had twenty six touchdowns and two interceptions with Chip Kelly, like and then disappears and then he's burst back on the scene. I can't wait to see what he can do on a different on a different stage. All right, another quarterback in Derek Carr for the Oakland Raiders. His contract, there was a lot of speculation. Does John Gruden like him? Are they on the same page? Does he want to build around him? So his contract, his salary became fully guaranteed for 2019. So guess what? He is their starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. He's under contract through 2022, totaling $58.5 million. It's pretty easy for them to get out after this uh, this season coming up. So I think he's kind of on a one-year, let's wait and see. Let's see what you can do as you get more comfortable in John Gruden's uh, system. I think it's the smart move for the Raiders. How many teams have we seen plagued by bad quarterback play? And I know you're probably thinking, well, what, what about Derek Carr? I think Derek Carr is a pretty good quarterback. I think he's, I think 20 million, 19.9 million is a pretty good deal for him. When you look at some of the money that's being tossed around other starters as we're evolving into this new era where you're seeing 28, 29, $30 million contracts or uh, salaries handed out for quarterbacks. I think Derek Carr at 20 million is pretty manageable. Uh, he's only 27. I think you've seen his, when he's at his best, he can be a top 10 quarterback, and I don't think that's crazy to say. Now, he obviously has had injuries that he's dealt with. He's been very polarizing when it's him being out there uh, crying on the field when he's dealt with injuries. He hasn't been as consistent as of late. But even in 2018, this past season, so 68% completion, 68.9, so basically 69% completion, 4,000 yards. The touchdown-interception ratio is probably a little bit. You'd like to see that boost up a little bit at 19 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. But I think Derek Carr can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I think John Gruden's system actually works pretty well for him. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to move on with the uh, the Raiders to move on with Derek Carr. And don't forget, while they're trading away Khalil Mack and they're trading away Amari Cooper, you know what they were getting in return? First round picks. They've got three of them. So look for a very young Raiders team to make Will a Derek lot of Will Derek Carr be the quarterback when they move to Vegas? I know it's a cop out, Coca, but it depends on this season. And I think if he has an, if he, if he just gets incrementally better, like if he still completes around 68% of his passes, if he still throws for around 4,000 yards and he bumps up his touchdowns and interceptions to get a little bit more playmaking, which you would assume touchdown scoring translate to wins. So you would assume they're winning more games. Then yes, I think he's there, but I think it all hinges on this season where he's making this 19.9 million dollars. It all depends on him. So Derek Carr obviously playing for a lot uh, this season coming up, and I think he's going to have a nice year 